Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to another episode of the Tennis.com podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Nina Pantic. Before we launch into this episode with Dr. Larry Lauer, I want to share a disclaimer. This episode was recorded long before the coronavirus pandemic began. And I also want to call attention to Underrated Week over at Tennis.com. Underrated Week will showcase some of the most underrated players and skills in the game, from Novak's forehand to Naomi Osaka's return to Rafa's net game. Mental strength is one of the most underrated parts of the sport. Players with tough mental strength have a huge advantage, but since it's not a visible skill, it's often not taken seriously. Dr. Larry Lauer is here to change our perception of mental strength. He's a mental skills specialist for the USTA player development, and we're going to find out how he got into the field, why mental strength training can help you, as well as learn some methods for improving this very underrated facet of our game and life. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. We are in Lake Nona at the USJ National Campus. I'm your host, Nina Pantic, joined by my co-host, Irina Falcone. Hey, guys. How's it going? This episode's special guest is Dr. Larry Lauer. Larry, welcome. And thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Can you give fun. us a brief little bio about who you are and what you do here? Well, here I'm the mental skills specialist uh, for player development, so I work with our pros and our juniors uh, getting ready for competition, preparing mentally, uh, work with the coaches as well to get the players ready. So my job is, while the coaches work on the physical side, is to work on the player's mental side and make sure that they're prepared for competition as well as helping them deal with things that happen in their life. So it's not just about uh, the player on the court, but the player off the court as well, the holistic approach. And it's my job to make sure that the players have what they need to compete in a happy way, in a healthy way, in a high-functioning way. Have you always wanted to do this from the very beginning? Like, was this your calling? Well, not since I was a baby, but uh, certainly when I not, – not really, no, being, not being facetious anymore, being serious – when I was younger, I wanted to be a coach, and specifically a baseball coach. I wanted to play professional baseball, and that didn't work out. Um, we don't need to get into that in this podcast, since it's tennis, fortunately. So I had this idea that I was going to be a coach and maybe actually go into commentating uh, on television, on live sports events. I was interested in that. And, and so I went to Clarion University, my hometown university, and really wasn't that interested in the courses and communication and and the degree, so I, I ran into uh, the psychology doctor, Dr. Eastley Krause, who knew that I played sports and I was coaching as well. And she said, hey, you know, there's actually something called sports psychology. And I was around 19 years old. I'm like, well, what is that? I was clueless. I had no idea. This is, well, dating myself, but this was like 1992, right? What is that? And she said, well, come check it out. I'm going to have a special course on sports psychology. And so I took the course and loved it, fell in love with it. And at that point, I knew that's what I wanted to do because it answered a lot of the questions I had about my own performances 
in terms of at times playing great and other times not performing. Uh, you know, going in and going four for four and having a home run and three RBIs and the next game striking out four times. And why does that happen? And why sometimes do I feel on and other times I'm just way off? Why sometimes in the field am I locked in and other times I'm making mistakes? Couldn't answer it for myself necessarily, and I wanted to know to help myself but also to help the players that I was coaching in baseball at the time. I was coaching 16-, 17-, 18-year-old baseball in Pennsylvania. So as I dug deeper into psychology and, and into sports psychology, I started answering a lot of the questions that I had. So that, that was really the start. And then I was fortunate to be able to go to UNC Greensboro with Dr. Dan Gould, uh, who's one of the best sports psychologists in the world. And having worked with him, I really got a, a deep understanding of what it means to perform under pressure and, and, and really the literature of sports psychology and research and application. And really that kind of set me up. That's, that's a quick version of it for what I'm doing today. I know you said baseball is not the same as tennis, but you can relate to players who have struggled in their sport, given your background playing a sport. But you can also maybe, I know you work with professionals who maybe are successful, but you probably work with people that, that don't make it, right? Absolutely. So you can relate to, I don't want to get too dark into this, but you can relate, you can relate, <laughs> yeah, you can relate to someone who's struggling with finding their identity after thinking they were going to make it as a pro and then not getting there, right? So how did you, how did you work through that? If you can talk about that and, and do you know, is there a formula for figuring yourself out after your dreams and your hopes kind of change? Wow. That's, that is deep. It's early. So nice, no, that's a great question, Nina. Yeah. Getting into my psyche. This turning the turning the tides on me after we're going to talk about Irina we will okay good feel much better about that well honestly you know sharing that I mean that was that was a process um having gone to college and 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 walked on to play baseball and it didn't work out and I didn't really understand the recruiting process and probably could have played somewhere but it ended up not playing coming from a small rural area and losing that dream at that point was really difficult and so I'm, I'm age 19, you know, and, and not yet as mature as I am now. I know it's hard to believe, but, and, and it took a while, you know, it was kind of a tailspin for a while. I was, I wouldn't say I was depressed, but I was pretty down about it and upset that this dream that I had didn't work out. And it took me some time to sort of regroup and, and certainly being in college and, and having those experiences helped a lot where I was exposed to different things. And, Ended up, you know, really being mentored in, in a wonderful way by Dr. Krauss and in the field of psychology and helping me take something that, uh, you know, was a big disappointment and not being able to further my baseball career and, and actually turn that into something where now my mission is to help other people have the, what they need to be successful because I felt like maybe I missed out on some things. For sure I missed out on some things. I didn't understand the psychology. I didn't understand the process of figuring out how to get seen and, and recruited and, and go to college and play baseball. I didn't, I didn't understand any of that. I didn't have that opportunity. So I want to make sure that the players that I have a chance to come in contact with have what they need to reach their goals. Whether or not they do it ends up being on them, but I don't want to be the reason that they don't get there. And, and that's really important to me. So that, that changed my whole outlook on life. But it, it took some uh, soul searching and you know, sometimes of just, you know, like, what am I going to do? You know, and, and there's no like easy way. There's not like, okay, do these three steps and it works out. You need to 
you need to go there. You need to think about what it is you want and realize that, you know, as my friend David Rutherford, who was an ex-Navy SEAL, said that you have more than one mission in life. That the mission changes. And for me, that dream or that mission changed at age 19 where base no, baseball was no longer an option as, as a player. And I had to figure out what I was going to do. And I found a new mission, and that was to help other athletes and help coaches. And, and that's something I truly love and enjoy. And that's probably where a lot of the passion comes from because, uh, you know, I hate to see people – miss out on on an opportunity at least have the chance to be successful speaking of helping people a lot of coaches talk about being able to see something special in a player that does eventually make it do you find that it's easy to find to to see that with the with players that you work with are you able to see whether their mental skills are above and beyond someone that potentially does not make it i think i can see the the outliers pretty well the people who you know just stand out, but probably most people can. One of the one of the things I think we fall prey to is as coaches is believing that we know who's going to make it and who's not. And if you go back through history of, of looking at drafting or selection processes, uh, we're not very good at determining and identifying who's going to make it and who's not. It's really a numbers game. To be honest, you you make enough choices, you're going to hit on somebody, right? So and and not to. Oh, there's a lot of people out there that do this this work, and there's a lot of good people out there. But the, it's really challenging to know, you know, if someone can can do this at the highest level. But what I will say is, the thing that you look for first is does someone have the passion to do tennis, to do the whatever given initiative, sport, activity it is, and that is something that you you can see in a person as you spend time with them. I think it's it's a fallacy to think that. You can go watch a player once or twice at a tournament and think you have it figured out, you know, a 13-year-old, 14-year-old player. Once you get to know someone, I think you can start to understand better. Now, this person maybe has the building blocks of something pretty special, but it needs to be now nurtured and it developed. And that, in my mind, you know, I don't. there's not many players, there's not many Serenas, there's not many Rogers out there, so... But there's a lot of great players who develop through the pathway, right? And we wouldn't have known at 13, but we know now. And so I think our job is certainly try to identify the ones who are the outliers and make sure they get the support they need. But there's a whole lot of very good players who, if we put the support around them, they could actually do great things as well. And, and that doesn't lessen those players at all. Because I have a tremendous amount of respect for the, those players who develop themselves through hard work to get what they're going to be. The the super talented ones, the LeBron James, they're probably going to make it no matter what. Sidney Crosby, Serena Williams. But there's only a few of those every generation. And so we have to make sure that we, we identify and do a great job bringing those other players up. So long-winded answer, Irina, but getting back to the point is that really hard to know but I think as you get to know somebody, are they passionate? Are they the ones driving the bus? Are they proactive? Do they want to get up in the morning and do the training? Are they pulling their parents along to get to the courts? Are they pulling the coach along? Are they asking for more? They want to do one more. When something's asked of them, they're like, all right, I'll do that and more. Uh, it's not always about more, obviously. But there's a there's a there's something that you see in a person where they are driven and they have goals and they're going to get this done. And I think you can, over time, figure that out. 
Can I ask a, a bit more of a simple, less loaded question? What is a mental training session like? Is it you're giving out homework to players or are you sitting down and having a therapy session and talking one-on-one? -on -one? Is it a big group of them and you're having them bounce ideas back and forth and talking things out? What does it look like having an hour with Dr. Larry Lauer? Oh, it's amazing. Kind of rammed a little. <laughs> yes, it's, it, it, you did. It was very nice. Uh, yeah, I think it's all those things you mentioned, Nina. It's, it is the group work, uh, especially with our younger ones, but we also sometimes do group work with our pros, uh, the adults. Not very often, but when it makes sense where we're working on a topic, say we're teaching visualization, the basic skills, and we want everybody to know it, we might bring people into a room or something like that. Uh, we'll do group work. We'll do individual work. We'll, we'll work many different ways. You, to me, I think you need to work in, in, in sort of three ways to be successful. First, you need to work directly with the person and teach and educate and figure out where they are and what's gonna get them across the gap to where they wanna be, okay? And you need to know that person. Secondly, you need to really work with the coaching staff or their coach, their strength coach, to figure out how to integrate the lessons and, and the, the skills that you're teaching into training, which eventually then is an easier jump to performance than trying to go from the classroom or the office to the court. How do we integrate what we're teaching into training? So it needs to work out and, and be done in the gym, on the court, on the track, all those places, okay? And then the third thing is exactly what you said, Nina, is there, are, there is homework. Because a lot of people believe that mental skills training is like, okay, Larry says something brilliant, which doesn't happen very often, and suddenly I'm better, versus there's a bunch of habits that we develop, and when we develop these habits of excellence, it allows us to cross that gap to where we want to be. But you don't do that in, in one session. You do that over time. So, and you do a lot of that work on your own when nobody's watching. You're, you're practicing in your mind how you're gonna play that closeout game, how you're gonna play that tiebreaker, right? You're, you're setting goals that motivate you and focus you on how you're gonna compete, how you're gonna play versus the outcome or, or worrying about expectations of others. So there's all this work to be done, including journaling, visualization, mindfulness, meditation. Uh, there's many, many things. And you have to learn those base skills, and that often is done away from the office and away from the court. And so, yes, there's a, there's a, a heavy bit of uh, just doing your work, just like you would on the, uh, with tennis. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hey everyone, we're here with Dr. Larry Lauer. He is the USDA National Campus Mental Skills Specialist. Talks a little bit about how he fell in love with sports psychology and also talks a little bit on how he's helped so many American players compete. Keep listening. Arena, can I throw it to you a little bit? I know that you work with someone and it was a big part of you coming back to the tour. As comfortable as you want to talk about it, what did you get into? What kind of exercises did you do? And 
how did it make a difference? Because as someone, it's it's hard for me because I th- see things as tangibles, and I think mental health is a little bit hidden and and a little bit harder. And mental and working on mental training is so hard for me. So for some people to really, I don't know, see right? grasp, yeah, yeah. Like I can't see it. I can I can see someone getting stronger. I can see someone playing tennis better, but I can't see what's happening in their head. So can you explain what happened to your head? Well, I mean, no one knows what really is happening. I mean, you can do the homework, you can do everything, but uh, sometimes seeing it, it's, it's like you said, it's not tangible. It's not something that you can just, oh, it's so clear as day. Um, I actually worked with Dr. Larry Lauer um, before my break, and then I decided to work with someone that was through the WTA. And for me, it was just getting deep, inside of myself as weird as that may sound but just raw and kind of taking out all my layers and seeing what was what what was I really thinking um and like Dr. Lauer said there was a lot of homework to do um I think one of the coolest homework assignments that I ever got was to write a letter to myself and the letter was pretty much writing all my ailments, like everything that I thought was wrong, okay? And then a few days later, go back and read that as if it was your friend, okay? And then you go back and you're like, wow, why am I being so hard on myself? Like, it's not that bad. And I actually, I I remember sending it to you. I sent you that homework. I was like, hey, like you should do this. Like, I don't care what you're going through. I didn't do it. Yeah, I know. (laughs) But it's... um, there's so many, I think, assignments that if you just don't even say it has anything to do with mental, mental training, like it's just you kind of see inside yourself um, and you just learn more about yourself. And it was enlightening, I think. Yeah. But did that stuff, did you feel it paying off on court the past few weeks? Could you, did you think during a match the stuff you'd worked on and it actually helped in the moment, in the point, in the game? A hundred percent. Um I remember seeing Dr. Lauer in Tyler, Texas, and granted, I lost first round to the eventual winner, but uh, one of the things I was telling him was my mantra that I decided to you know, tell myself every single point, and it was never satisfied, and then once I told him that, he was like, well, you should, o- you should also add never satisfied, but always gratified. And I was like, that's really good, because One it's true. One brilliant thing I've said in yeah. six years. <laughs> um, and what I've also uh, realized that The Peaceful Warrior is one of the greatest books and movies I think I've ever seen. And um, it helped me a lot, because once you realize that at the end of the day, it's not a point, it's not a match, it's just a moment, um, it changes a lot. And then very last thing I think was just cutting myself some slack um, instead of talking to myself in negative derogatory ways I talked to myself as if I was speaking to a small child and it's very different from wow you suck on this like why did you do this point you know you suck so bad instead of saying that you know it's like hey next point like you're great don't worry about it like you got this and just that thinking alone can really just change your mental thinking and you know just the dynamic of how you play i think and this i mean bouncing off of that you know coming back um or even starting to play pro tennis even going to play a tournament there's a little bit of fear of a failure right 
and I'm not saying it's Irina, I'm saying it applies to a lot of different people. I'm not gonna put you on the spot again, but what do you tell players who are, or, or any athlete who is a little bit afraid that they're gonna fail and it might not work out and everything they're working on is, is it's not gonna actually get them anywhere? Asking the tough questions today. So I think it's understanding that failure is a normal part of the process of learning and changing the view. And there's, there's many athletes that have come out and talked about how their failures have led them to where they are. There's, in any endeavor, Nina, there's this level of trust that has to occur that if I do what it takes, I will get there. And honestly, you're hitting on maybe one of the hardest things in all of professional sport, and that is can you trust in yourself, in your, in your plan, in your team, in everything you're doing, that it will get you there? And that's the challenge because I think there's a fear that exists that if I do all these things and I don't get there, that's a huge failure. But it's not because it's actually the journey of everything you did to get yourself there that opens up new doors, that allows you to be the person you're going to become. And maybe you reach the outcome, maybe you don't. But because of striving and going on that journey, you become much better and you have a lot of great moments, right, Irina, through that journey. So when people talk about failure, I get it. Um, I feel like I fail sometimes too, and I hate it. But at the same time, you have to realize it's a moment in time. It's one data point. It's an experience that I can use to get better. We talk about failing forward, actually falling down so I can actually get up and be farther ahead and using that as a way to to get better. And and then it gets into a lot of what we talk about is, is acceptance that I mean, Roger Federer makes mistakes. Serena Williams makes mistakes. Why can't you? You're a human and you're going to make mistakes. And mistakes are not failure. Actually starting to get that word out and saying, look, it's part of the journey. Accept it for what it is and use it. Use it to get better. I mean, I have, a, I have another one. <laughs> that, I mean, She's smiling before yeah, I finish Putting the him in the hot seat, response. I like it. I know. <laughs> I mean, I feel like hearing that kind of stuff definitely helps and makes you think more about it. So, I mean, I can definitely, I'm almost like getting a mental therapy session right now. It definitely we're gonna, feels we're gonna like We're going to put it. her on the calendar later this week. There you go. Yeah. It feels like there it. Well, uh, my other thing that I noticed a lot with, with tennis players in particular, um, Irina, maybe you can and add on to this, but the, the feeling that you always have to be chasing the next big thing. You win a tournament or you win a match. There's always another one the next day. How long you know you can actually sit on having won a tournament or had a great run. It's so short and you always want to get higher and rank higher and be better. And it's the same in real life. I've noticed that with me. It's always like, what can I do next that's going to be bigger and better than what I did last week or last month? And you're only as good as your last result. You know what? How do you work through that kind of stuff with players who are always chasing? I think the one thing I will say is that I've been there. I've done that. I've done the, okay, well, I just won my match. Like, who's tomorrow? And the older I've gotten, I've realized that you have to take the time to be grateful and realize what you've done. And tennis is not one of those sports where you have weeks and months at a time where you can just, you know, coast on a win or you know, be down on a loss, like you have an opportunity the very next day, every single, like pretty much every single day. And that's one of the things, um, my boyfriend Travis, he's a pro boxer. So if he wins a fight, he will have, he'll be able to coast for a little bit before he fights again. Very different, very different from tennis. And that's one of the things like I saw um, a player 
win oh uh, sorry i saw a player recently lose oh and oh and to be able to come back and do well that following week i mean a lot of people would be very upset about that but that says a lot about that player as well um and so tennis is just one of those sports where you have to realize okay this happened but i'm gonna accept what happened whether win or lose i'm gonna accept it be grateful you know and then move on and i think that's that's important and like i said i mean you have to be able to i know people say this all the time like treat yourself but i'm a big believer of that like no matter what like if you did something good and you feel like you want to get positive reinforcement or you want to treat yourself you should life is short <laughs> is arena right larry <laughs> i'm pretty much on board with arena i feel like we're trading roles here she's gonna take my job eventually uh I think you have to celebrate those small victories and, and the challenges I'll, I'll pick up where Arena left off is then being able to refocus and prepare again in a sport like tennis because you in junior tennis you have maybe a couple hours. In pro tennis you might have 12 hours, 24 hours and how do you do that in a, taking the moment to appreciate what you've done is not being complacent. Taking a moment to appreciate what you've done will fuel you for the long term and that's what you need i mean sustainability i talk about to players all the time if you want to do this well you need to be able to sustain your motivation for 10 15 years right i mean to do this at the highest level and and the degree that you would maybe want to do it so how do we celebrate those small victories and still turn it around and be ready to go again i think that uh one of the biggest most important things okay is being able to take every moment and let it pass through and realize there's more coming and being okay with it and being okay with the past. And if you can do that non-judgmentally, then every moment can you can embrace those moments. It's hard sometimes uh, when things aren't going well, but realizing it's a moment and the next one could be much better allows you to move forward. And, and certainly when you have a great moment, you win a match, you win a tournament, uh, there's a part of you that should be wanting to push for more, but not at the expense of your well-being. Um, you need to appreciate what you've done and have that pursuit of excellence that, you know, in a healthy way that, okay, this is good. I did a good job. Now I want to go and do it again. But if I lose my next match, I want to be okay. That doesn't determine how I feel about myself. So. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey listeners, you're listening to the Tennis.com podcast with guest Dr. Larry Lauer. He's giving us a little bit of a therapy session to improve our mental strength. Keep listening. It's very common, for example, to go to a tournament. Let's say you go and you qualify and you win two rounds and then you lose a heartbreaker or you lose a very tough one. For some reason, players just focus on that bad one instead of realizing, hey, I had four great matches already under my belt, you know, and I think that's the other thing. It's knowing that you have to be grateful and appreciate what you've done. I think p 
people just forget about doing that, and it's so, so important. Well, our brains are attuned to negative more than they are positives. They, our brains catch the negatives and m- remember those, and they're written deeper into the brain, probably because of the emotion that comes with losing, with feeling like you've failed. Whereas the positives, we kind of like, yep, that's what I'm supposed to do. We don't really give it the maybe the credence that we should, right, Arena? Yeah, and that, that's why you always hear um, girls and guys complain about their significant others. It's not usually like, oh, let me tell you all the good stuff. It's I'm going to vent and complain and tell you all the bad stuff. So that makes 100% sense now that you say it. Yeah, and, and that, I mean, again, if you if you want to better your life, it's turning that equation and starting to look at the good things more often. And and, and not saying being ignorant and blissfully ignorant, but being aware of the things you need to do, which everybody has things that they need to improve, but really paying attention to your strengths and, and the things that you are achieving. And, and one of my favorite things that, that we teach is every day get up. You know, We've seen recently people talking about morning routines, like CEOs and actors and actresses and athletes. Get up in the morning, do some mindfulness, do some meditation, your choice, and and then think about what you're grateful for and think about what you're going to achieve that day. And at the end of the day, reflect on, okay, what did I do today? Because in any day, there's going to be some positives. Now, some days it might be, wow, I really like what I wore today, or my hair looked good, or whatever. And some days, like, man, that practice was amazing. I learned something really cool today that I want to remember. So... Every day, every moment is different. And if we embrace them all, then this journey gets a lot easier, to be honest. Do you practice what you preach? Do you look back on your days and think about things that are, were technically wins and losses in your career and, and, and that sort of stuff? I do. Uh, sometimes I have four kids, and it's literally driving off campus and figuring out where I need to go. But I really do make, try to make that mental effort to be aware of the things. And I think that in our practice as, as a mental coach, as a psychologist, part of our job is, is to take really good notes. And that requires you to reflect on, on what you heard and what you saw. And so, Arena doesn't know this, but there's a whole folder and there's a bunch of notes on every single player. And, and those things are highly confidential and kept locked up and password protected. But our job, which helps me reflect on the work that I do, is to note take and be aware and be prepared for the next time that we interact with that person and so as part of my profession i think that requires me to do it and i do do that but you talk about practicing what you preach that's where i began with this whole process is that i didn't begin by taking classes and then just like okay i want to teach other people i was like no let me work on myself first because i had things i needed to deal with and things that i needed to get better with that i wanted to work on and once I was working through that process, I felt like I had a better understanding of how to start helping other people. And, you know, I don't know that if Dr. Gould realizes this, he probably does, he's pretty sharp, but he really was mentoring me and and counseling me for 20 years to get me to where I am. And it wasn't just, I wasn't just a student, he was showing me a way to get to where I wanted to be. And it was almost like, doing therapy for 20 years but it was really more of a mentoring friendship and a professional relationship where I could not only uh, see how he would deal with things but then think about it and say okay well then how would I actually deal with that and and am I able to do that or what do I need to learn to be able to do that and and that was a great experience for me. 
obviously we can't really go back in time we don't know what the future lies and all that jazz but all the knowledge that you have all this information how much of an impact do you think it would have made when you were 19 and you knew a lot of what you know now let's just say you knew a fraction do you think the outcome would have been different i believe wholeheartedly yes and because i believe in myself and i don't want this to come off as cocky but i do believe that had i known a lot of what i know now i would have been a much better player much better athlete um even from the time that i stopped playing baseball and i, I really started playing more hockey um, i was a much better competitor in hockey after that because of the things that i was learning and starting to read and and so i think for sure it would have made a huge difference for me and where that ends up i don't know i'd like to think i would have played professional baseball but there's obviously some limitations but you've seen me sprint i'm fast so <laughs> and i can hit the ball a long ways and throw it hard but for some reason i couldn't figure it out at 18 but that's the that's the challenge is that and and everybody that you know, it gets to like my age, you know, middle age, like 46 is like, if I had only known what I know now, but that's life. And somehow we have to be able to help the, the young adults, the, the adolescents, the, the children to be able to be open-minded to some of these ideas so that they don't have to say the same thing. Right. And that, that is a big thing that drives me and, and, and the things that we do. So like doing this podcast or our, our compete like a champion podcast that coach parks and i do um, those are vehicles for us to be able to explore and help people think about well maybe there is another way to do this maybe there's a whole another area that will help me that i'm not even tapping into and that that is the brain i mean you kind of touched on it a little bit there you do have a podcast compete like a champion a usta podcast with johnny parks you started that, and you mentioned in the beginning of this a little bit of interest in a commentating career, and I think everyone can agree you're a very smooth talker. Hey, yeah, I put people to sleep, I've heard. I've heard that too. Is, <laughs> is uh, the podcast something that you started because you wanted to help more people? You, you just said that. Is that something that you're enjoying and looking to do regularly? Is that something people can listen to in the years to come? What's the vision? Yeah, the, the vision really was to reach out to people in a different way. Um, I felt like I was limited by this space and being Orlando and not being able to be with people, um, be present with them. That's one of the most important things in terms of making a difference is being present with people. But podcasts are a different and kind of interesting way to be present with someone. They can always access those episodes and, and listen to what you're saying and, and, and reflect on their own way and what that means to them. And so I felt like that was our best vehicle to reach the most people, whether it was athletes, coaches, parents, other sports scientists, uh, people in the field about what we're doing and, and different ways to look at performance and, and not just from the psychology of it, but all, all of the domains. So the vision going forward is definitely to continue it on a regular basis, um, is to have fun with it and, and really try to challenge ourselves to innovate and, and, and do different things, you know, uh, you know, I hope that at some point we do podcasts on site at a tournament or um, we're able to, you know, certainly bring in guests more from the outside uh, and, and really start to uh, expand and broaden the reach of it. So you've been doing this quite a long time and you work with elite pro tennis athletes. 
do you feel that you've hit your elite level as well in your career? Oh, whew. now you're getting deep. I like it. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, now I'm trying to think about my filters kicking in. Like, should I say what would be appropriate or am I going to go no. Baker? Baker? Say whatever. I'm going to go Baker Mayfield right. on this. Be like my man, Baker Mayfield. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell you how I feel. I feel like I, I feel like I'm really good at what I do, but being elite uh, is a daily thing. And I got to continue to challenge myself so that I can better the players and the coaches that, that I have the opportunity, the opportunity to help. So I would say, uh, yes, getting there, but I don't want to say totally there because then you're done and you, you, you get behind. So would you say, like, have you made it? You know, when people say like, oh, I've made it, like, oh, okay, you know, I've hit my career high, I've won a grand slam. What would you say about you? Mm. No, okay. no. And, and that's just being uh, very honest because I feel like it maybe goes back to that idea of being satisfied and, and versus complacent. But I'm always looking for a newest challenge. And I feel like if I personally, if I feel like that I've made it, that I will stop challenging myself. But with that being said, I feel very grateful and fortunate for where I am. Um, it took a lot of work, but it also took a lot of help from a lot of very great people Uh that helped me along the way that saw something that I didn't see uh, that I didn't think I could ever do. So, you know, uh, being grateful, but always, you know, looking to challenge myself. And um, hopefully when maybe I'm 70, 75, I'll say, okay, now I can feel like I've made it. And then that's probably when I would start to shut it down. I'll ask you that question then. And that question is? No, I'll ask you the oh, same question when you're 70 or okay. 75. <laughs> That'll be good. I'll be in Hawaii, just so you know. Oh, okay, you have to perfect. come see me. All right. I'll have to she'll, come visit. She'll visit. Yeah. She'll visit Hawaii for sure. All right. Well, on that note, on that note of uh, future plans, Irina, maybe you have one more question? Yeah, actually, just I want to put you in the hot seat. Yes. I want to see like... Oh, no, you... I think we're out of time. Live oh, therapy. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. I know that we... I mean, this is all very relevant to pro tennis athletes, but I mean... What have you taken away from this? Because, I, I mean, just because you're not a pro tennis athlete yourself, I mean, I think everybody still needs a little help in the mental side of things. Well, some of the questions I asked were selfish uh, because these are things that I've thought about either when I was playing in college or before that and things that I've thought about since. So, like, yeah, my day-to-day -day life isn't wins and losses, but the part about trying to always do the next big thing was something that I think about a lot. So um, I think everything you've said can apply to the office or can apply to someone who's working as an accountant or a journalist or an actor. I don't think it's just tennis. So everything we covered would apply to me. Not so much maybe like what I think about during the actions of what I'm working on. I don't think I think like you're better than this or like you can do great next point, you know? But I think it all applies safely. Okay, I just I just wanted to know. Should we make her have one takeaway that she's going to do tomorrow, you know, kind of like we do with the players? Might as well. I like the part about treating myself. Oh, of course. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's I think everyone does. Yeah, that's that's a good one, so. Yeah, I'll work on that. I'll work on that. I'll give you some homework that I'm sure Dr. Lauer would agree with. All right. Well, I think we should schedule her to come meet with me. Maybe Ooh. both of us, and we could actually record we could it. You know what? Actually, we could do this on Tennis Channel. Actually, right? on a more serious note, um, I would. <laughs> I was a person that never really sought out mental mental skills therapy or sessions or help ever. Um, something I thought was not stigmatized, but awkward. 
So this kind of helped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just felt like not weak, but it always felt like, you know, you can figure that out on your own. You don't need a, you don't need anyone's help. So uh, this helped a little bit to see, you know, this is very normal and everyone does it and everyone is 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 working on this. And Everyone's I, gone through something. Yeah, mm-hmm. and talking about it is still a little bit embarrassing to me, but I, I think I can see the the positive impact it could have on your overall life. So that's a takeaway, maybe. Well, thank you for both of you bringing this up and, and certainly to Irina for sharing a lot of, of what you've gone through in your career. And, and many other players, professional athletes, are now speaking out about mental health and the support that they received. And I think it's opening new doors. And I, I think it has the opportunity for our, our young players and our adults to be much healthier and realize that, you know, we live in a Western society that's very individualistic and you know, you should be able to do it on your own. Every every action movie has one person who beats like 50 people, right? We have such an individualistic kind of mentality that we're Bruce Willis. We need to figure it out on our own, right? We got to do it all on our own. And the reality is that everybody needs help. They need support. And, and we can't live in the black and white, these extremes of I got to do it on my own or I need someone to do everything for me. It's somewhere in between. I need that support, that advice, that mentoring, that counseling and maybe even it's therapy and and I would I would suggest that for anyone but also what it always comes back to is what are you going to do about it what choices you're going to make what are you going to commit to and to to better your life to strive for your dreams to to help someone else and and so I think the sometimes why people don't go to therapy is because they feel like well it might open Pandora's box and it'll never close. You know, like all the demons are going to come out and I'm going to be just messed up. And and the reality is it gets harder at first, but then it gets much better because you need to go to those places and understand yourself. And and too many people uh, stop when it gets hard. It gets emotional. And, and to be honest, that's where you need to go sometimes. You need to pick the right times. You don't do it, you know, as you're about to go into court unless you have that's just where you're at but you you need to find the right times to go to those places and i'll give irena credit here that she did that and i think it's it's allowing her to really enjoy the rest of her career and i think that's so important and that concludes our therapy session with Dr. Larry Lauer. How much do we owe you? Well, I, I don't want to say that uh, on, you know, I don't want to commit myself to a number. Can't afford him, Nina. Yeah. Can't afford him. Uh, yeah, it's probably true. Thank you so much, Doc. It's thank always you. a pleasure. Yeah, thank you for thank having you so me on. Much. It was fun. From the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, this has been the Tennis.com Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to stay caught up. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every major listening app as well as tennis.com slash podcasts. You can also see the videos of our episodes on Tennis Channel's YouTube page and tennis.com's Facebook page. We're your hosts, Nina Pantic and Irina Falcone. We'd like to thank our team, editor and audio designer and video editor, Christina Koseva, producers, Alexa March and Sean O'Malley, and executive producers, Shelby Coleman, Kyle Einhorn, and Andy Chu.